Welcome to Bounce Back Like a Badass, your weekly dose of real and honest conversations about when life gets a little or a lot messy, and how to find your way back more humbled, more empowered, more determined, and hopefully with some badass stories to share. Here's your host, Kat Coley. Hey guys, it's Kat. Welcome to episode, I think this is number 30. Hooray. Um, so I am talking today about, well, one, one thing I want to talk about is how to get out of the funk because life, unfortunately, um, is not always peachy and, um, happy 24 seven, just life happens to us. Things happen. Um, this has been, it's, it's only what I'm not, what day it is, but, um, <laughs> by the time you hear this, but this week has, has already like started off on the wrong foot for me. And so what do you do when that happens? And what do you do when just life happens? Because, you know, again, it's just not always going to be roses. And, um, yes, we have this ability uh, to change the course of our day, our week, our month, our year. And hopefully you're learning um, with what I'm talking about how to do that. But you know what? Shit happens. <laughs> and because we are, we all have free will, it means that we can't control what everyone else does. And sometimes we find ourselves in situations that are just not the greatest. And if you um, have been listening to my podcast for some time, you know that I have found myself in the most um, uncomfortable positions in life, in situations. And how do you get out of that? And how do you have the mental strength to get through things? And I will say for myself that it wasn't, I didn't always have these tools, of course. So if you guys know, uh, I spent 19 months in prison. <laughs> so if, you got, if you're listening to this for the first time, you might want to go back a few episodes earlier to tell you the reasons why. But so how do you, if you're in that situation, and, and so I think I t- I, I'm looking at this from the standpoint of like, what do you do when your choices are limited and how and what you're able to do. So obviously, when you are in prison, there's very little there's very little that you can do, a little, any outside source that you can use to help motivate you to get through your day. And even in that situation and again, mind you, when I when when the whole thing came down and I was first in there, I did not know uh, I spent 2 weeks in jail I believe was it two weeks in jail um you know there was a time where I remembered precisely every moment of every time I spent in the different places isn't that funny I always thought I would remember I always thought that I would remember precisely the date I actually know the date so I I do know that um that is always uh that's always with me. The date that I uh, that it all went down, then the date that I went in, and the day that the date of my sentencing. Um, but I always thought I would remember exactly the the times and how much time. And so now I've, it's a little bit 
blurry because so much time has passed. And that's just the way things go, guys. And and that's and again, this is, I'm kind of jumping on two different subjects. Um, the area of your mind where you recall memory and the area of your, I'm sorry, your brain that you recall memory and the area of your brain that you recall uh, and that you think and use your visualization and imagination are all the same area. So, and it's all, um, and so when you're not constantly going back in there and looking through all that the details and things it gets a little blurry and I think they say that your memory is like only 50% right <laughs> and that's why when people are asked to like remember faces and places and stuff they just you know with without and there's some that have the, that photo uh, photographic memory which is amazing and fantastic and they can tap into that and that's theirs is more obviously more honed in uh, and then just the the more the the bigger percentage of the population is that our memory is skewed and so we don't we recall the big stuff but the details and everything we just we tend to forget and so when we think back on them of course so when I first came out I remembered everything I, I remembered um, the exact dates and times I could tell you exactly where I was at in that 19 month period but as time has gone on and years has passed I now I think about like how long was I actually um, obviously I know I was in there for 19 months because that was my sentence and I literally was in there to the date exactly 19 months um, but the little details of exactly when I left one facility and because I was moved through several facilities um, and downgraded uh, until I went into my, the last facility which was like the community level where I was able to have like a job um, but I was now now the, Anyway, I totally segued, so I apologize. So anyway, so if you um, if you think back now, I'm not really sure why I brought that up. Oh, so um, oh, so yeah. So at the time, I wasn't exactly sure. I didn't know. I didn't have the tools, honestly, at the time to really figure out how I could get through because hopefully, no one out there in this audience that hears this and listens to me knows what it feels like to go through this process. Hopefully you've never found yourself in this position. So at the time when someone says 19 months in prison, um, you're, you obviously, you just put kind of, you put time into that. And for me, that was the, that time frame was huge because I had just had a daughter who was barely one. I went in and she was, I think 11 months old when I went in. So she was turning, she was literally like just barely turning um, one within a month after I went in. And so for me, I was like, oh my gosh, I am missing nearly two years of my daughter's life. Like all the things. And so that's how I, that was the overwhelm for me. That's, you know, because in the reality is time is quick. Time does go by quick. I mean, look at this year already, you know, we're already well into October. And honestly, I think I was like, just cheering somebody with, you know, a glass of champagne not long ago saying Happy New Year. And here we are in the last quarter of the year, you know, turning the corner into holiday season already. And how quickly did this time go? But when you're watching time, it goes by super slow, <laughs> of course. Just like when you're at school and you're waiting for that clock to turn three or two, whatever time you get out and you're just like, oh, this is the longest day. But when you've got things to fill your day, you know, you've got all these things and you are, you have the freedom to fill your day with all of these things. Uh, it goes by pretty quick. So anyway, so at the time when I was going through this, uh, 
I did not know how I was going to survive, uh, not just even the 19 months, but just the day to day, because uh, that's a that's a pretty rude awakening to wake up in your bed one day and to wake up in jail and in prison the next. And that's that is just an uh, an out of body experience and you feel, everything feels absolutely surreal. Like at any moment you're going to wake up and I had many, many of those moments as, you know, as like the first, you know, my first meal, the first um, time I heard the, the cell doors uh, slam. Uh, because of course, if you have no um, connection to these things, if you have no firsthand experience to it, the only thing that you can really think about would be maybe movies you've seen. Cause that's literally the only, the other time that I had experienced it. Um, and so I'm um, experienced it, but it, if you had even, you know, had a near experience to it, it would be like watching movies and, and hearing that door shut and, and, and maybe even hearing other people talk about, um, that, you know, that telltale, um, sound of those cell doors, those metal on metal doors clicking and the magnets clicking and, and locking you in. So the first time I heard that and acknowledged it, the first time I walked into prison, the first time, um, I had shackles put on me. I was like, the first time of all these things were just huge and they were out of body experiences. And, um, and so you just try to take yourself out of that situation, um, and not be present. Honestly, like the, for the first couple of weeks, I just was in la la land in my head, like trying to not experience what was happening and just kind of going through the motions, but not really being there. So there's a lot of details about those first few weeks that I don't recall because literally that's exactly what I was doing I was just like I'm not here I'm not here this isn't real I'm going to wake up um, and it just became more and more real and obviously it became more and more evident that there was there was nothing I could do um, to get out of the situation that I was in but to serve my time so I did not have the tools necessary at the time or that I needed um, to allow myself um, time to process what was happening and give myself uh, the you know, just kind of to how to learn how to move through what was happening and understand it, it all and comprehend and, and all of these things. So it became a day to day kind of survival. So as long as I could make it from one day to the next, I was okay. And that, that's all I could focus on. I couldn't even think past the week, past the month, you know, past because I was in there for 19 months, obviously a whole, a whole year, uh, uh, a new year came in. And, um, and so when you are in those moments where it just doesn't seem like you can, you have the ability to you know, get yourself out of it and you're just in this funk. Um, and again, my funk is going to be different than everybody else's funk. And I hope no one else experiences my kind of funk. But I also went through other things. As, as most of you know, I came home and um, my husband at the time asked for a divorce the day after I came home. And so that was like another like punch in the gut. I didn't have a, a place to live. I, I didn't have a job. I had no money. Like I, all I had was literally um, a car. So thankful I had that and my daughter. And those were the two things that I had. And of course my family, um, which were, they were a huge help. Uh, but being in California, I was literally all by myself and I, um, that's where my daughter lives. And so, you know, and so I, there was, I couldn't move back, um, in with my family to get help because I wouldn't have seen my daughter and I was already away from her for so long. Anyway, this is like a total sidebar and all of these things. Um, so 
what I was able to do, um, which was at the t- and in the scheme of things and in the world that I was in, I just had to make the best out of every situation and the best of every day. And there were times where I had to shut off um, the feelings that I was having, the anxiety surrounding, you know, missing my family, missing my daughter, missing my husband, and missing that life that I had, and just focus on what can I do like right now. And in one of the facilities, I think the second facility I was in, no, no, the, the third facility I was in, which was like this boot camp, they had a tiny, tiny library. And, um, and I had, re- had read in all my time there, like close to four or 500 books. I, I, I had lost count at some point. Um, and towards the end, they were all about um, personal development and, and it's, you'll find out quantum physics, and that's why I'm so I'm so um, in, interested in the subject because that's where that's where that fascination uh, started. But in well, I was in that third facility, which was again like a boot camp. They had a, a tiny library, and it was there that I started to read about the personal development world. I had I had yet to really tap into it. My sister had handed me the secret. Um, many a, a couple years before, I think right when I had found out I was being let go from my job and, and being investigated, it was like the first thing that she handed me because I literally had like no hope. <laughs> I had like I had nothing to lose but to just uh, for, and for her, she was just like just read it and if it gives you like a little bit of um, you know hope, then then that's all you need right now. Like that's what's going to get you through. So that was that wasn't self help by any means. That was just. Um, talking about manifestation but it, it did it did tap into a little bit about you know how you can help yourself basically and that's that whole that whole premise of that whole thing um the whole book but so I, I went into you know the library and that's I I read everything in there like twice because it wasn't a very big selection of stuff uh but it was the first time that I really started to understand uh that we create our own reality, of course I knew how I got into the position I was in was my fault. I knew that and I was, wasn't there to blame anybody. I wasn't there to, to say it wasn't me or, I was, it, or whatever the excuse is. I, I knew that I had made huge, huge, huge mistakes and bad, bad choices and this is what I, this is the karma. Karma, I think all, we also always say, oh, I always hear karma is bitch, but it's not. Karma is you. It's, you know, whoever you are. Um, that is it. You know, you put out that energy, the energy comes back to you and that's, that's just it. So, um, so anyway, so I started to realize obviously that I had no choice. I could not get out any sooner. Um, and at the time I didn't really know if I would actually get out at at the 19 month mark because my sentence was, 19 months to 48 months. So any time between that time frame, I could be let out. Um, and there was no, because of the deal that I signed unbeknownst to me, because I was, uh, I was, I was trying to <laughs> not um, take responsibility much earlier and, and really figure out what was happening with my, with my trial. I was just trusting people would just do their best to, uh, to make sure that I didn't end up where I ended up. Nonetheless, I signed a, um, a, uh, a plea bargain where the 
the level of crime that I signed onto, which actually could have been downgraded because I was a first time offender and all this other stuff, regardless. anyways, um, didn't allow for like an early release, but I definitely could have been um, eligible for that had I uh, not left it up to the other people on, on, ha- on the decisions on, on what to sign for my plea bargain. Anyways, a lot of sidebars in this episode, guys. I'm sorry about that. Uh, so I, um, so at, again, at the time, it was just, you know, the 19 months and I just had to figure out like, how do I get through these 19 months? And these books really started to help and that I had to get myself out of this feeling of looking in the past and coulda, woulda, shoulda does not help what I'm looking at in the present. And I have basically manifested everything that was happening to me at that moment. Every situation, every feeling, every circumstance, that the, they were all, um, you know, my doing. So now how do I like transcend and, and transform into somebody else? And so that's what I had to do. And that's what I started to learn. So after I left this boot camp, I went into the, the last facility I was in, which was the community uh, facility, which was the longest place I, I was at in this 19 months. And there I was able to get a job and I was able to volunteer um, at a church run facility, um, a, a secondhand store, um, thrift store, basically, that was run by the church that was that worked with the prison system. And um, while I had, I had this job, I, you know, basically, I'd, I also had to tell them where I was at. So they knew um, officers came in all the time to check on you to make sure that you don't run away. Obviously, this is community level where you are being trusted to be in the community, uh, but you're still under, you know, under in prison, basically. And you checked in and out of this facility and uh, every day. And but you could go to your job and volunteer. And so I did as much of those things as I possibly could. So I was out of the facility as much as I could be. And there were days where I just needed a, a break, but mostly like six days a week. I was either working or I was volunteering. And when I was volunteering at this, at the secondhand store, um, they had this huge room where, you know, there's just thousands of books that were being donated every week. And again, that's where I was able to pick out, you know, more and more. And and there's so many (laughs) self-help and, um, uh, and all those types of, of uh, books that was at this facility um, that actually that's it's what spurred me to um, to redo this entire room is basically this room that's like an office kind of size um, and like redo and like actually start a library once it was just kind of thrown in there everything was mismatched you just there was no rhyme or reason I think maybe they tried of course but there was really no rhyme and reason to anything so I started to categorize everything and so I you know firsthand knew like how many things were in the personal development world and and it was there that I went beyond personal development and started looking at quantum physics. And it was there because a book had mentioned in there that quantum physics and science uh, had a lot to do with law of attraction and manifestation. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Uh, and so there were actually quantum physics books there, surprisingly enough. And But they were so over my head. Like, if you don't know and you're not well-versed in the science world and physics world, opening up a quantum physics book is literally like reading a, you know, a book that's from a different um, country. 
Um, and it, it was like every word I was like, I don't know what that means. I like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. And I didn't have a dictionary. I didn't have access to a computer to be able to look these things up, but I did start to read more and more about it. Um, I, I tried to go get through this book, um, or some of the books at least. And then when I was released, I dove really into it because I now had access to other books that maybe explained it. Actually, the first book that I ever, um, grabbed when I was, went to uh, Barnes & Noble was um, Quantum Physics for Dummies. And even then, I was like, is there a quantum physics for like really, really big dummies? <laughs> because that would have been me. Uh, but the more I learned about quantum physics and and manifestation and, and our, our vibration and our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts, the more I just realized like, wow, really in a way that I was I was beginning to do those things because... Um, in that community um, place where I was in the longest, you know, I kept to myself. I read a lot, of course. Um, I had one person that I spoke to who I still speak to today. She's a dear friend of mine. Um, and um, I met a lot of people. And I, I think if you guys know, if you've heard some of the other episodes, you know that um, there's no judgment for me for the people that I ended up meeting while I was away. Um, there's all walks of life of course, in, in these facilities. And it's, it was amazing to hear people's stories and why they were there, how they ended up there, how they kept coming back and why they kept coming back. And that's a whole other conversation about um, prison reform, but uh, which is a lot to do with it, but also that there's, there is really no assistance at all um, once you leave prison and once you leave that you're just kind of left on your own accord and if you have no support system and I was I'm fortunate I am so so fortunate that I have a support system and I had people that were you know that that supported me and my family and friends and and uh, just that supported me so that I wouldn't be in a position to make the same mistakes but Honestly, there just isn't that support system for people that are coming out, and so that the 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 um, you know for the percentages for them to come back is so high. It's like in the 90s almost, um, if not already there for people to, who don't have the support system. Like how you know, obviously you've got this tainted now record, and I will always have it. I will always have to check that box, um, and. You know, how do you get a job? How do you get how do you get an apartment? How do you get a car? How do, how do you get all these things? And that's, you know, that is still something that I deal with, you know, till now. It's not I I don't have the ability to expunge my case for another. Maybe it's another eight years, I think it is maybe a little bit less. Um, but for some, they you know, depending on what what they've done, they don't um, even if they are, you know, a, a, a good member of society. You know they they can't take that off of their record for years, and some of them actually never can. Um, so anyway, okay, another segue, my lord. Um, so in a way, I was already doing the things that I was learning about. I just didn't know that I was doing them. And so quantum physics and manifestation really opened my eyes into um, really what who we are as human beings and how the world works and learning about, you know, atoms and subatomic particles and, and energy and vibration and all of these things and, and how this relates to today, <laughs> I am getting to it, I promise you guys, is how do you get out of this funk? 
Like, how do you not stay there? Because um, one of the biggest um, uh, gurus out there that I listen to, and I, 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 I love all of his stuff, and uh, is Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he talks about how if you don't have a vision of the future, all you're left with are the memories of your past. And memories equate to emotion because experience, when you get down to it, ex the things that we experience, it, it, go, it boils down to the feelings that we are feeling during those experiences. The bigger the experience, the bigger the feeling, the bigger the emotion behind it. So that is in a good way and a bad way. So like take my prison sentence, for example. That is a negative experience. <laughs> that is a bad experience. And I can go back and maybe there were times within that time where I started to, like the, the light started to come on, um, you know, when I started to connect things and understand things. Now, mind you, I, you know, in these 19 months, it's 19 months of solitude, basically. And yes, you have other people around you, but you could choose to never speak to anybody and you would be, no one would fault you for it. Whereas in the real world, you couldn't do that if you had a job. You couldn't do that, um, you know, with your family and stuff. So this was like the longest, obviously, in my lifetime that um, I could choose to not converse with anybody. I could choose to go inward. I didn't have to speak to anybody. I didn't have to explain myself to anybody. Literally, I didn't have to explain myself to anybody there. Um, I could, I could, you know, be in, in my own space. Um, this is not the way that I would hope anyone would do this. Some people do, and they go to, um, I know they, they visit, um, uh, a Buddhist camp or something like that, or they go on a, on a, on a, like a 60 day, 90 day or whatever it is like silence retreat or 30 day silence retreat. And maybe not that long, but you know, they, they find other ways to maybe, uh, find that peace and that, that sense of silence and that they need in solitude in their life. This is a totally different way. Um, but so in this time that I was, you know, that I had, I, was able to kind of transcend and figure out, okay, like, what do I do? And how do I cope? And how do I just try to be a better person? Um, when I leave here, but when I'm here, like, what can I do? And those that was the only way that I could get through the day. You know, yes, I marked the calendar off like every single day sometimes I would even skip a couple days knowing so that I could like go back and and like mark off three days in a row and be like yay um that was done on purpose it was never because literally I would I would want to like scratch things off every day um but in the in while I was away this the things that I was learning about the universe my own self my mind and how interconnected it all was uh, was really what prompted this the change and the transformation that I had when I came out. Because I was I was a different person, of course. I, everyone, of course, changed. You know, two um, almost two years had passed at that point, uh, a year and a half plus, and this everything had changed around me. People had changed, had moved on with their lives. I have changed, of course. You know that that any of those big circumstances will really change you. But I was going as I was going back, so. Any time that we can, we look back at a situation in our lives where the experience was grand and big, and it could be 
a, a, a happy, joyous moment or it could be a very sad moment. We attach the emotions to it. And so when we, all we do is we go back to that time, um, to that time frame, we then reignite the same chemical um, output that happens in our body and in our brain and then the neural pathways that we uh, that trigger when we think about those things trigger again so when we when we go back in time and we recall a moment um, you know that was painful or was happy or whatever it is our body chemicals um, basically excretes the same type of chemicals that it would when we were in that position however many years ago. So we just keep living in the past and hopefully that makes sense to you. And so when we're stuck, when we feel stuck, when we feel and we can we keep going back and if I can if I go back to you know the worst time in those 19 months was I mean I, I could pick a million I think um, but maybe one that sticks out was probably when I was sentenced because that was like the start of it that was the, the the catalyst to everything and I could go back to the way that I was feeling I can tell you if I were to close my eyes and imagine because once again memory imagination all comes from the same bank in my brain and imagine myself in that courtroom I will get the same feeling the pit in my stomach my heart will start racing I will start to get uh, I'll start to sweat a little bit um, because I am recalling the same emotions and so the neuro pathways in my brain are going to fire off like oh my god oh my god oh my god what's happening are we back there are we back there because your brain doesn't know if it's a memory or if it's something that's happening so if I if you go keep going back and recalling why you're in the funk so maybe you unfortunately broke up with your partner um, for whatever reason. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you didn't get the client. Maybe your um, business launch was a, a, a total disaster. Maybe you got in a car accident. Maybe all these things, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, um, someone hit your car, whatever it is. Like you, and you keep replaying the same moment over and over and over again, that's how your body's reacting and your body goes into this fight or flight mode. And so it's, it kicks into high gear, like something's wrong, we're back into this again, we're replaying over again. So all it's doing is just like putting up your defenses, going, okay, what do we do? What are we, are we gonna run? Are we gonna fight? What are we gonna do? Is, what is it? What are we going to do in this, this high stress level? And so when you go back and you recall whatever it is, maybe, um, you know, like you said, maybe your partner cheated on you and you keep going back to the moment that you found out and replaying that scene over and over again and maybe replaying like, it, maybe if I would have been five minutes sooner, maybe I would have been five minutes later, what would have happened if I didn't take, you know, this and do that. Like, and you recall that moment every time your body just goes into this mode of fight or flight, which is the highest level of stress. And when you're doing that constantly, your body, your inner, the, the inner workings of your body like all these things, the chemicals in your body that you need to have like inner peace and to fix your, you know, the things that are happening in your body, like, like cell reproduction and all these things, um, stem cell reproduction and, you know, the, your, your cells, uh, fixing themselves or recreating, um, uh, will stop. And so you get more prone to being sick and you get, you know, you just get lethargic and you get headaches and you get, 
you maybe you know you you maybe you start to gain weight maybe you just you know you um get start you start to get like a foggy brain and you can you're or you're tired or you can't but you still can't sleep so you're always in that because you keep going back to the moment and so when you focus so much on the past and it's sometimes difficult to not do that to recall things and to not do that when you're so focused on the past um, and I'm talking about past trauma and past hurts because a lot of times we, we don't really go back to the happy times in our in our lives right like very rarely do we ever go back to like oh the day I got married like very rarely do we ever like bring those feelings up it's always something like it's a doom and gloom or something really bad like very rarely do we you know you know if you guys have children out there do you ever go back to the day that your your children were born like not as much as you would go back to the maybe the day that um something bad happened so when you're recalling these bad things and these bad situations and these bad circumstances you're doing your body and your mind and your heart a disservice because you're not giving your body the ability to grow and to be at peace and to be able to um to uh to heal itself because it's putting out again all these defenses on on trying to see if you are in fact in danger so if you are in like frustration mode fear mode impatient mode um resentful mode all of those things that's what it's that is what it's you know putting out trying to figure out like what is it what outside force do we need to watch out for and if you are in that cycle a lot throughout the day within you know outside of the the day that you're the times that you're sleeping and even then if your subconscious is you know going batshit crazy then you're constantly in that and you are just stuck and you will get up in the morning and you won't have the energy and you will feel like crap and you'll be like oh another day oh my gosh and so you then because you are in that moment and you keep living in that moment then you bring more of those things into your life and so what you are attracting is more of the same so that's how quantum physics works manifestation quantum physics are one in the same and so what can you do so here's the part maybe most of you have been waiting for <laughs> is what can you do to turn this around like what can you actually do so if you guys are familiar with the emotional scale uh it's it, again I, th I talk about it a lot and, and maybe i'll put a link here at the bottom so you can get it um so there's like 20 20 to 22 emotional um feelings that we tend to have the majority of, of the population tend to have and they start off and each because we are energy and if you listen to me um and maybe listen to other um others out there you know that we are all made out of energy and we are all energy waves and energy frequencies and our thoughts are also and uh, are also energy frequencies so basically our mind um and our body uh, sends out um electronic frequencies and then our heart um sends out magnetic frequencies so regardless we are all energy and so that's what we send out and so in this emotional scale there's there's like you know 22 i think i believe and love and joy being at the top and uh hateful anger frustration vengeful maybe at the very bottom fearful worry all of those at the very very bottom and again it just goes up a scale and so how do you start 
to turn the tide? And why am I bringing that emotional scale up? Again, because I talk about it often. And what it is, is very rarely in life can you go from one emotional state, from one low emotional state, all the way to the high state. Like you can't be absolutely upset and in love you know within a second from each other it just it you can never get there um and very i would say never never is is um i'll never say never but it's very rare that you can do that you can go from you know that angry frustrated worry fearful regretful resentful jealous state to oh my gosh I'm so in love I love life love is life is everything love is everything you know everything is joy and sparkles you just you just can't um but you can go up the scale so if you find yourself in a funk and I have been in a funk all week (laughs) um and so I'm talking from experience here and I've always talking from experience hopefully you guys know that by now uh so if you're feeling in a funk you've just you one have to take a moment to pause so if you are recalling past experiences and you really you're reliving moments like that or you're maybe you're in worry mode maybe um it's beginning to be the end of the month and you know but next month you maybe you don't have the the uh, financial ability to you know to pay rent or whatever it is and so you are in in a very high anxiety worry fearful what am I going to do panicky mode so how do you get out of that because it's I know that's the real world I know that's a lot of a lot of the my clients a lot of the people that I know that um that follow me and I I hear uh, and I, I hear from and I speak to that is a real fear that is a very real um outside force like like you know that they that they try to manage but have a hard time doing and believe me I have been there I told you when I first came home I had no money um and so that was like like the number one fear like how do I survive how do I survive as a single mom with no job no place to live like what do I do I have a car do I live in the car like what you know what do I do and what are my options and I can tell you the amazing things that happened and I could tell you that I know that I manifested those amazing coincidences and and synchronicities but how do you get there like how do you go from like panic stricken to like okay I'm just gonna let things go like how do you do that and how you do that is through this emotional scale now at the time I did not know this emotional scale existed um so it as when I found it, it made complete and absolute sense to me. And I know that if you are not aware of it, but you still practice it, doesn't mean that this, you didn't know that it didn't exist. It just means that you weren't aware that there was this thing. It doesn't mean that you weren't already doing it. So I knew I was already doing it, but I um, didn't know that there, there was such a thing. So what the best way to do it is one is to take like just a deep breath. So breathing taking in oxygen into your brain, into your lungs, into your blood is the biggest and quickest way for you um, to relax your mind and your body and to just give you a second to like, just take it all in. I did a lot of breathing in prison. (laughs) That was one thing that I actually did do because there's just, it's just a shock to your system. So when you are in this mode and you're just like spiraling out of control, take breath like just quickly five minutes two minutes even 
just sit in silence and breathe in and breathe out. And that's why um, a lot of focus on meditation is, is in your breathing. Um, it's not just to help you focus and give you a place to focus and a, 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 you know a, a you know a like I said a, something to focus on. It also helps relax your your body. It allows the oxygen more oxygen. Obviously, when you're breathing in, you're not hyperventilating um, and not getting the oxygen that your body needs. It brings in more more oxygen into your blood, and your blood obviously that's that's what allows you to relax and breathe in and it gives you time to think and not just go back into this loop and it gives you time to pause and say okay I have to think something differently instead of how am I going to get this where am I going to get this what happens we just kind of go down this like I said this this vicious cycle and this this rabbit hole if I don't do this, then this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And that's 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 going to happen. And you just start to unravel before anything actually even happens. So you've done this, you know, like a look into the future, but done it in a completely different way than you should. You're doing it from from, from a place of worry and fear um, as opposed to a, a place of, of gratitude. So Dr. Joe Dispenza did this test. Um, he does a lot of these tests um, with a group of people that attended one of his seminars and it's like 120 people. And they take brain uh, scans and they take uh, heart scans as well. But in a place of like four days, when people were in this state, um, so when they first come in, obviously there's a bunch of things happening in their minds. Is this gonna work? If they've never been into the, one of the, his workshops or maybe they're just new to this concept, they're thinking, am I wasting my time? This is ridiculous. What am I doing here? You know, I'm gonna prove this wrong. I'm gonna be the what, whatever, whatever pretense as you walk in, um, and from your perspective of what this whole thing is going to be like, you know, again, who has four days, you know, these days, blah, 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 all these things that you have to do. So they, they scan their brain when they first walk in and maybe ask them a series of things, maybe that is of a, a worry to them or something that, you know, that they're thinking about, or maybe just a, and, and just a scan of their brain of where their, their uh, brain reactions are at. And then four days later, after they go through this, his seminar, and they do a lot of things, a lot of amazing things. But one of the major things that they do is they do meditation three times a day for about 15 minutes. And the focus of that meditation is gratitude and thankfulness. That's all it is. Gratitude and thankfulness. Getting into a space where all they're thinking about, all the, the thoughts that they're sending out, all the vibrations that they're focused on is about gratefulness and thankfulness. Three times a day for four, four days, uh, three times a day for 15 minutes in those four days. And the scan of these 120 people, 150 people, however many were in the seminar, and he's done this over and over again. It's not just one thing. It's not just one seminar. He's done hundreds of them. Is so amazing that like they see all these increases in the body, in the brain, stimulation, cell renewal. I mean, just all of these things that they they see. Um, just within the four days of so they're like literally rewiring their brain because when you're not in the mode of always being in a grateful place 
you're not, you know, that part of your brain isn't sparking. If you are always in the mode of like, oh my God, what can go wrong? Let's go think about worst case scenario. Let's talk about what happened yesterday. Let's talk about what happened last week. Let's recall what happened last year. Let's focus on the lack of things that I have. And again, these are all very real things. These are all very real things that we think about on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes we, and not sometimes, most of the time, we don't even know we're thinking them because 99.9% of the things that we think about on a daily basis, we thought about the day before and the day before that and then the day before that. Very, like, actually it's 95%. 5% that we only think the new thoughts that come into our mind, there's only out of the 100%, it's 5% were new ideas, new thoughts. And 95% are thoughts that we have thought about every single day for decades. And so you can understand how rewiring your brain and getting you to think something differently and to act differently is hard for some because you're fighting against decades of, of thinking and subconscious thinking. So again, we, you know, when we're driving, when we're on autopilot, we're brushing our teeth, taking a shower, making breakfast, driving, maybe even sitting in a meeting. I mean, if you're just, you know... I've been in meetings, you know, in my past life that, you know, I, I didn't feel I belonged in or, or wasn't, you know, wasn't 100% involved in and I would check out. I would just, I, you know, I start thinking about things I need to do, groceries, worries, blah, 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 all these things. And so that's what you, your subconscious is doing. It's taking that time where you're on autopilot, it's thinking for you and it's not thinking anything new. It's thinking of the old stuff. Worry, 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 fear, fear, fear. Impatient, impatient, impatient. Lack, lack, lack. Things I gotta do, gotta get, gotta get, have to do, have to do, must do, can't forget. Da, da, da. I mean, like all these things. So you can imagine, like, when you sit in a place for four days and you're and you are tasked with thinking something that completely up and taking taking over basically from the autopilot, like putting it, uh, you know, out of um, overdrive and actually putting your hands on the wheels and driving and paying attention. Like you're more aware and cognizant of what's happening around you. So when you do this and when you are, um, when you take over the wheel basically of your life and of your thoughts. So in this, in this seminar, it's a, it's absolutely mo- amazing. Um, and that's just from four days three times a day for 15 minutes of being grateful and thankful. So how do we, you know, how do you then translate that to what you're doing today and what we can do today and what we can do at home? Because you're not in the seminar, but you can still do those things. Maybe it's not 15 minutes. Maybe it's five minutes, three times a day. Or maybe it's 10 minutes twice a day. Whatever it is, you have to take back the wheel from your subconscious and stop living in fear and worry and start looking into the future and start being thankful. And when you're thankful and grateful, the whole, the whole premise of being grateful for something is because you receive something. When you're thankful for something, you're receiving something. So when you're being thankful for something, um, and this is the whole part of, of, of um, be, do, have, and maybe if you guys have heard that terminology, is being thankful and acting as if, like as if you already have whatever it is that you want. So being grateful that you are um, 
sending out energy, vibration for the money to come into your life to help you out with your finances. Uh, maybe the, it's a relationship, maybe you're looking for a job, maybe you just want a new car, maybe you just want to be at peace, maybe you want um, to be to forgive somebody, maybe you want to leave a relationship, whatever it is, like when you're sending out the good vibrations and the thoughtfulness and the thankfulness and being grateful for all of those things coming in your life, that's what you're sending out. When you are um, thinking from a place, so when you are sending out when you're sending out thoughts, your thoughts are your intentions. So my thought is, I want this, I want this, I want health and wealth and love. That's what I want. That's what I intend to. But your the feelings that you are sending out is that I will be happy and love, joyful, excited, um, harmonious, uh, loving, and all of those things when I when I see those things happening in my life. When I get it. So when you're still waiting, like I'm I'm not gonna be happy, joyful. Uh, loving, patient, uh, whatever it is, until I actually start to see these things happening. So you understand that there's the block right there, right? So you can't think a thought of something that you want and send the, send, send the intention, but not feel the feeling because that's the magnetic, that's the magnetic uh, electricity you send out and get back and you and get back what you intend if your feeling is that i can't be those things i'm not going to be those things until i actually see it so once the check comes in the mail i will be happy so what the universe is going to send you and what you're sending yourself because you are the universe and what you are going to attract for yourself is more of that lack oh okay we're not going to be happy great not happy okay we're not going to be we're not going to have any money okay great no money because that's what the energy that you're sending so when you are in a state of being grateful and thankful and you're thanking the energy field the quantum field out there for all of these things to come into your life the relationship the partnership the the business the job the money all of the when you're being grateful and you're really feeling into that moment so you're using your visualizations if you guys have i go back to some of my um my old um, episodes and go back and, and, and I tell you how to do the visualizations. But if you're, you're recalling and really, really feeling into that heart on hand, which is the heart coherence portion of things, really feeling into those moments, that's what you're sending out. And the more that you do that, the more that you do that throughout the day, the faster you start to bring those things into your life. So when you are in a funk and we will we're humans we live in a three-dimensional world we live in a very dense world things are going to happen we're going to bump into things people are going to bump into us and I don't mean that in the in that actual sense of bumping into us but creating um chaos in our lives um and again we create our own chaos as well so in those times do this exercise start with this this is a good start if you can't meditate, if you can't sit in silence for 15 minutes three times a day, do it two times a day for 10 minutes or do it two times a day even for five minutes. And then in that state, be grateful. Envision a future that is different than the, the, the vision that you're thinking about that has happened in your past. Stop living in that past moment. 
you and, and I talk a lot about your story and owning your story. There's there's owning your story and taking responsibility for what you've done and the choices that you've made and where you're gonna how you're gonna move forward. And then there's being stuck in your story. Two totally different things. So I can get stuck in my story and feel very very sorry for myself, um, or keep blaming myself for all the things that happen in my life, or I could own my story, take responsibility for the things that I've done, and then move on. And I've used my story to catapult me into totally different things. Now I could have very well because of the judgment of people that had that still have. I, I still I still get them of what my life should look like now. Like I should not be a coach. <laughs> Some people think I should not be a coach and, and their, their theory is, and I've heard it and I've heard it firsthand from people of what they've heard other people say about me was that, you know, just because I was in prison, you know, I was glorifying what I had done. And that's not it at all. By, by no means do I ever, I mean, it's, it's still a place of, um, of, of a complete shame and embarrassment for me, all those, the decisions I made. But I can't go back. I can't change it. There's nothing I can absolutely do to change that. I can't change any part of it. But what I can do is make a choice to change the way I feel about it. And the way I feel about it is totally different than what other feel that, that I, of how I should feel about the situation. And I should always live in shame and embarrassment. And that's how I should move forward in life. That's, why, that's the way they think. And that, that is, that's not how the world works unfortunately <laughs> and if it and, and if that's the world the how the world works in their world then great that's just not how the world works in mine and we all create our own reality as you know so this is my reality and that's their reality so this is how you get out of it and this is a lot longer of an episode than I intended I apologize uh but that is how you get out of your funk okay so take a deep breath go into a state of being grateful and thankful envision what that future looks like when all those things have come into your life and do that several times a day and see what changes in your life and how quickly they come, how opportunities will start to come, how, how situations will, will, will come about, synchronicities, right place, right time, how, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Everyone calls it totally different. Um, but it's, just, it's quantum physics. That's what it is. You, there are a billion possibilities out in the world not tomorrow not today right now this moment and you are out there you're part of that and your job is to get on the same frequency as whatever outcome it is that you want and you have the ability to do that and that's quantum physics and manifestation and I think law of attraction was a, is a man, man-made term to try to, to, to get people to understand quantum physics, in my opinion. And I think there's other, I'm sure other people out there that has the same opinion. Um, so that it, we could take it into bite-sized pieces. Because, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, I couldn't have been, one, I wouldn't be on a podcast, but I couldn't have been on a podcast or a radio station. And I could have been, and I would have probably be, be perceived as somebody that's sorcery or woo-woo or all of those things. And um, and these nowadays, you hear more and more people in higher, higher positions in the world talking about how we are, we, be, we are our thoughts. Our thoughts become things. And that that the, our thoughts becoming things is quantum physics. That's literally what it is. All right, guys, this has gone on <laughs> and on. Hopefully you can take something from this um, and start to apply it in your lives. And that 
and that things will start to change and you have to keep it up guys you know it's not like like I said in this seminar they did it for four days and they, they're changed no it's a cons it's consistent you have to be consistent at it because you can't go through something like that and then go back to your regular life and think that everything's going to change no because your subconscious is going to start to take over again because it's 99 95% of, of who you are and it's you're going to go back on autopilot and that's why when a lot of that's why a lot of people when they go to these seminars whether it's you know some spiritual guru or whatever it is and and they're so hyped but they don't do, they don't extend that practice. And I'm by, by no means, am I taking myself out of this? I am part of it as well. And I have to get better and better at it. Is there, and when you are surrounded with the same um, like-minded people and we're all talking the same language and you're all vibrating at the high vibe, of course you are pumped. You are, bah, you, this is gonna, this is amazing and it's gonna work. Then you take yourself out of that community and out of that environment and you pluck yourself back into your life where maybe you have a small community of people that feel the same way as you do but maybe even within your immediate family no one completely understands what you're doing and understands or believes in what you're doing so it just drops little by little every single day so if you are finding so you you have one you've got to find the people that are that feel the same way as you do that think the same way as you do in a sense of uplifting you not in a, in a way that's like a bad thing um but like in an uplifting manner like you know giving you positive positivity versus negativity and that you can help each other during the times where you need it most when you need a boost when you start falling back into the old routine you start going back to the old habits so hopefully you have some of those people. It doesn't have to be very many. You don't need a whole, you know, seminar community of a thousand people, but just maybe two, three people. Even, even if you just have the one person that you go to and you talk to about these things and they can elevate and help you continue your quest to get into a better state of mind, that's all you need. And so when you do this, you have to be consistent in the work. And we all fall off the wagon, guys. But the, hard, the, the good thing is that, or the, the bad thing is when we beat ourselves up. And so it's a continuation. Even the biggest of gurus out there still continue to do the same techniques and strategies. And they, and they, they still seek out other leaders to better hone their, their practices, to get better at whatever they're doing, to strive for something better to get more knowledge, to get more experience. Everyone does that, mentors, coaches. So when you go, when you do this, it's just, it's consistency. You just have to be consistent with it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep upping the game. So if you're, you know, and see, you know, what it would be like, like there's like a study, there was like uh, a 60 day straight of, of like meditation and literally people were, completely changed after just doing 60 days straight of 20 minute meditations 30 minute meditations throughout the day and just committing to that which is hard to begin with you skip a day then you skip two days and you're like okay I'll start again on Sunday or Monday so just try this and then find yourself not going back and recalling past traumas from the standpoint of the pain that it caused you and start looking towards the future and start being grateful for what's happening today and what you have and what's already on its way because it's already on its way it's already out there 
it's just looking for you. <laughs> You're like on one end, worried, impatient, fearful, and it's like on the other end going, hey, here, right here, you asked for me, you gotta come get me, you gotta come get me, you gotta meet me, you gotta meet me somewhere, I can't come to you, I can't get through all that shit and give it to you and hand it to you, you've gotta come to me, and that's what it is. You have to come to it. And how you get there is through your vibration frequency. Okay, guys. I will chat with you next week. And um, have a fantastic rest of your week, guys. Thanks for being here. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hopefully we can stay connected and you can follow me on Instagram at Cat Coley Coach or my Facebook page at Cat Coley Coach or you can email me at any time at cat at catcoley.com or if you'd love to hear more about my services or more podcast episodes or anything in between, check out my website, catcoley.com. Again, Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here and I will chat with you next time. Hey guys, it's Kat and unfortunately my last recording did not upload properly and it is gone into the twilight zone of podcast episodes lost. So I'm having to re-record this episode again, Um, but um, as always. Um, Since I recorded that episode about our narrative and stories and so on and so forth, I've actually done more research and come across more amazing, um, talented people in the science, neuroscience world that has really backed this, the importance of the story we tell ourselves. So it's actually a good thing. (laughs) So Um, Welcome to episode 31. I'm talking about uh, the most important thing that we can do for ourselves is to know how important it is that the narrative that we tell ourselves day in, day out is like literally the most important thing that we can do for ourselves and to empower us to um, move past things uh, that have happened in our lives, um, make us feeling, uh, giving us the feeling of being stuck and blocked and unable to let go and move on. Now, I um, have a lot of experience in this because I am in my head a lot, um, more so than I I really wish. but in it and and I'm hoping to change that in time but I am always in my head and I am an overthinker I'm an over planner and uh so those are things I'm trying to um change and that's going to take some time about me and I'm learning I'm learning through these processes I'm learning through uh all of these research that I'm 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 now you know finding myself uh, really knee deep in actually like shoulder deep in more, more likely. So I'm always constantly learning and listening. And one of the things, um, I, one of these, uh, scientific backed research that I found was this gentleman who used to be a hacker 
for a living. Uh, and then he met somebody. Um, he was just kind of at a crossroads in his life thinking. So he was a hacker by trade. So it wasn't like he was he was doing it um, in, in a bad way. He was working for these uh, huge corporations and um, that would hire him to hack into their companies. <laughs> um, and uh, he would do so with a mindset of, you know, trying to find the weakest link um, in, within their company's security um, system. And he's also, he, uh, he primarily worked with banks, funny enough. And one of the banks, uh, one of the companies that, that um, he worked with um, was a bank that was totally okay, which is I think probably rare in these days. That you that he went in, uh, maybe not just himself, but maybe with with a couple other people, to actually rob a bank and find out where um, you know the the security holes were within the physicality of an of their actual bank. So um, and he actually said he he did that about four times, but um, mostly his job was to tap into and hack into. Um, big companies and see uh where they're vulnerable uh, where they were vulnerable in 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 areas and so that was his job and but he always felt like there was of course as a lot of us feel and maybe um those of us those of you that listen to this feel like there was always something missing like he just he kept thinking there's got to be more to this although his job was you know I guess if you were in that field, it was probably you know, pretty exciting to be hacking and finding ways into these companies um, that maybe their own security thought was, you know, sec- you know, was was it, you know, tight security, um, and and not, you know, that no one could could um, penetrate their company. And of course, um, he always found the weak spots. So anyway. Um, so he was a hacker by trade, professional, and he um, ended up getting his uh, PhD once he kind of came to this crossroads. He, I think he, he listened to a, um, a, someone speaking about the neuroscience of, of the brain. And, um, and he kind of looked at it more from like the hacking standpoint of kind of hacking the brain in a way um, and finding ways in and finding ways out. And so that's how he kind of looked at it. And so he went on this five-year journey to, uh, to, be a, um, to get his PhD in neuroscience. And, um, and then he turned that into, um, like into the business world of marketing. So he became a marketing expert based <laughs> on all of his experiences. So it's, he's got like a whole wild, wild array of um, experiences in his life, um, professionally and personally. And he's now kind of coming out, um, not now, he's been around for many, many, many years. I've just now found him through my own research. So anyway, um, and it was kind of through him that we started, that I started uh, really diving into the science side of our narrative and I talk a lot about story I talk a lot about how um, we need to stand in our story and we need to own our story and that is actually how um, um, powerful that is and that there is power in that we shouldn't shy away from it and we need to own it and and stand in our truth and and I wholeheartedly still believe in that that being said (laughs) um, that we can't 
relive it and we can't stay stuck in it. And I think um, I, for one, felt that because being staying stuck in it is um, a form of, of the victim mode. So staying stuck in our story and not being able to move outside of it and not use it to propel us and not not you not use it to um, you know to become kind of a, a trajectory of where we can go and where it can lead us is just basically re- reliving the same moment over and over again. Now, if you've heard um, my podcast before, you know that, again, there's scientific um, evidence that says that when we um, recall a memory versus when we're thinking and using our imagination to visualize, our brain does not know what is actually currently happening. Um, is real or imagined. So, and and in that, um, because when we're talking about something that's happened in our past, a traumatic experience, let's let's focus on that because a lot of times that's the things that we recall in life. We don't typically um, go back and recall the happy, happy moments unless we are um, in a state of grief and, and gratitude. And hopefully that's the state that we all need to move into. But anyways, that's a totally different subject on meditation. Um, but this is about focusing on something traumatic that's happened. So when we recall um, a past event, our bodies, um, the neurons, the neuron pathways in our brain um, basically light up and the same chemicals because of the same feelings um, are then reproduced as if the, the emotions and the, the thing that's happened to us many years ago, um, we're reliving it now. So the same emotional, the, the, the same emotions, the same chemistry makeup um, all continue to happen. So we feel the same way. So our body is then reliving that moment over and over again. So when we get stuck and we can't move out of the things that have happened in our past, that's that's the feeling. Our body is in constant um, stress mode. And it's been proven again, um, through, uh, scientific research that 70% of the time we live in this stress mode, this kind of fight or flight mode. And no one, no, no, not one living thing in this world. And, um, uh, and until we find other species outside of our universe, no one can live in that stressful, um, space all the time for too long without, causing some down effects so something happening something else happening some within your system because what um, your body does is when it is in a state of ease and flow is the chemical the 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 cells that can help um, your body uh become better and uh heal itself so any uh, like any cuts or bruises, any pain that you're feeling, any type of um, uh, virus that you might be fighting, it allows those cells to do what they're supposed to when you are in ease and flow. So our body fights off things more than you can ever count and anything that that comes into our body um, absorbed into our body our cells go in and fight it um, and that's what that's what it's supposed to do our red blood cells white blood cells every cell in our body is 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 doing what it's supposed to do to keep us breathing alive and healthy and moving and and all of those things 
However, when we are stressed, which 70% of, 70% of the time, that's the place that we live in. We're, always, we're worrying, we're thinking, overthinking, we, we're, we live in fear, we're, um, you know, we stay stuck, we are thinking about um, our relationships, our finances, um, our life, our, cho- our, our, our choices, um, our careers, our businesses, all of these things. And we, we're constantly living in this like perpetual wheel of worry and fear and resentful and maybe jealousy um, and all these things that's that's the fight or flight mode you can't your body can't repair itself in that mode it just can't it's just it's constantly going out on like alert it's like scanning uh, always scanning your environment for like alert 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 something's happening we are on heightened um, you know situation here um, she, you know she or he is freaking out um, what do we've got to do and so it's always that so it's not giving your your body a chance to heal itself so when you're in that mode there's just you are sending out the vibration and the energy and again if you've listened to my 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 past podcast um you know that we are all energy and the energy that we send out is what we get back in return so when we are in flight or fight mode 70 percent of the time that is the thing that we are attracting back into our lives so how is this related to the narrative that we talk we tell ourselves so the narrative or the story that we tell ourselves is what limits us and our capabilities from thinking big from dreaming big and i mean like super big like beyond what we think maybe not even just we are capable of but maybe what humanity is capable of so if you're thinking um outside of what we're capable of there's so many things that we have now in our lives that are happening um that technology that was beyond comprehension 50 years ago 100 years ago maybe 20 years ago even 15 years ago so there's things now um you know virtual reality um uh ai um, artificial intelligence, all these things technology-wise and just things that we have created as human beings that were so out of this world that someone had to super, super think out of the box to actually comprehend. And maybe back then, maybe the idea of it, people were like, whoa, yeah, that's just never going to happen. We don't have the capabilities of doing that. We don't have the technology to do that. It's just, we just, we can't, just, you know, it's, we just can't do that. And so, what obviously, as, as you all well know, whatever you say you can't do, you really can't do. Because your, your mind is limited to what you feel and what you think for yourself is, is available to you and possible for you. So again, let's go back to even you know, something simpler, um, you know, back when no one thought anyone could run the, the four minute mile, right? Like so for so long, um, because it had never been done, it was impossible to do, right? So one gentleman, and now I'm, his name is escaping me, I should have written it down. Um, I had it in the first episode. <laughs> um, you know, when he, um, when he ran the four minute mile, it wasn't even that long until another person did it. And then another person did it, another person did it. And then just so when, when we see physical evidence of things that are like, oh my gosh, that that's possible. I can do that. Um, but sometimes in our community, in our world that we live in, maybe we think that it's impossible for us, maybe for as a, as a 
you know, maybe it's your background, your upbringing, um, your whatever it is that you think is going to limit you from being able to do that until maybe you see somebody doing exactly what it is that you want to do. And then you're like, oh, if it's possible for that person, then I can do it. And it's just getting in that mindset of knowing that what I need you to know is that you don't necessarily need somebody else to do anything beyond what you think is capable for yourself you know for 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 you to do to be able to do it although it is nice to have that evidence we are always looking for the physical evidence of something um that we think is out of reach to happen so you know the oprahs of the world um you know you think of her life and what she went through and the time that she, you know, that she was born and in, 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 um, the times that, uh, the things that were happening when, when she was up and coming and what she had to fight through to get to where she's at now being, you know, one of the most influential, um, aside from being the richest, um, but most influential people in the world. And she'll go back and tell you, um, if you listen to anything that she talks about, it's a, a lot of it had to do, I, I think the majority of it really had to do with the story and the narrative that she kept telling about who she was and what she was able to accomplish and what she could accomplish. And that, you know, she had her downfalls and I'm sure she, you know, just like everybody else, um, she realized that, uh, you know, that there were, there's things that uh, she's going to fail at, but failure was, you know, instead of a, a block, it became a stepping stone for her. And it takes time to do that, guys. It takes time to like, to, you know, walk the walk, fail, and then get back up and walk the walk again. Because um, a lot of people talk the talk. I was a talk the talk kind of person um, in my life as well. But I started to realize that um, ideas are fantastic. Ideas are great. Ideas are what we need. But we, the most important part of that whole arc is the execution and part of the execution is the narrative that we tell ourselves and I, I promise you I will I will come full circle full circle on this and what that means is uh, we base again our the possibilities that we think are available to us based on experiences that we have experienced ourselves and or the experiences that we've se- we've seen other people been that you know have created for themselves and we may look at people and think oh they you know they they were handed this they were given this um, and there are definitely some situations where that is exactly the case but if you were to align yourself with people that are self-made uh, experts self-made millionaires self-made whatever it is um, you will see that it is the narrative that the, that the thing that that the common thread between all of them um, would be obviously grit, I would say is going to be a top one, um, the tenacity, resilience, but most important is the conversation that I'm sure a lot of them had the internal conversations they were having. And that internal conversation is your narrative, is your story. Now, a lot of them, um, could go back and think, okay, you know, I, I didn't grow up in, um, the U S maybe, or in, in, in a place where, um, you know, I would be, I would be given all the possibilities, um, and, you know, in, in creating, a, a, you know, this life, um, or I didn't grow up in the right family. I wasn't born in the right family. I was, um, 
I was abandoned or orphaned or I was adopted or I was uh, whatever the situation was. We could find loopholes and, 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 and holes in all of them. But the majority is that they didn't use their past as part of the narrative. They just kept focused on who they knew they were and that they knew for themselves what they were capable of, despite mistakes that they've made, despite um, the family they were born in, despite the times that they lived in, despite um, you know the circumstances that they found themselves in, and it's despite all the things, the bad things, the horrible things that have happened to them, like they didn't use the that story. It that emboldened them. That empowered them that um, gave them the strength to move past but that didn't stop them from creating this life it was just like another thing for them to add on to a layer just a layer one layer of them it wasn't all of them just as like whatever you're going through and whatever you've gone through in your past is just another layer. It's another chapter and you get to turn the page and you get to rewrite or write the next chapter, not even just rewrite it. Um, but now going back, actually, I'm going to use that analogy of rewriting. Um, so regardless of what your past, what's happened in your past, we have the ability as humans, and this is what sets us apart from all other living things in, in, in this world is we have the ability to use our brain and we can choose, we actually, you, you can actually choose to rewrite or retell or reinvent yourself. And despite of what happened in the past. So for example, I mean, this is basically what, uh, what, what, like as, as this gentleman had mentioned, what therapy is. Um, so you go, let's just say you go through like a really rough breakup and you go into therapy, which I highly rec recommend therapy for anyone that has ever considered it. Um, it is a good, a good place uh, to go to, to unload things um, and just get things off your chest if writing them down does, isn't working for you. Anyway, sidebar. Um, so when you go to a therapist, let's say you've gone through a really rough time relationship in your life and you go through um, a, a breakup and you're going to the uh, to your therapist, a therapist, a licensed therapist will ask, you know, what happened in this situation and you'll tell the story as from based on how you feel about it and how you see it that day. And then they'll maybe recommend a couple of things and then, um, you know, you'll come back a week later, a couple of weeks later, and she'll ask you about it again. And then you'll recall, a, a, you know, certain segments of that story. And then again and again. So what you're doing is you are telling the same story over and over again, but from different perspective. And that's the goal, is that you're reframing this awful thing that might have happened, uh, that might have, that has happened, and you're reframing it to find the nuggets in it, to find the silver lining, to find and learn from it. That's what literally therapy is about, is just about acknowledging things have happened. How do we move past it? And how can we look at it from a standpoint of 
how can I learn from it and grow? That's the ultimate goal for therapy, in my opinion. And, um, and so that you're not always stuck in this helpless victim mode of, you know, and you can move on from it and time will do that. But again, in this essence, in this sense, um, coaching can do that as well. Um, as well as, you know, finding a mentor that can help you move past that. But, you know, a licensed therapist is, is where I would go for, for that kind of help. But anyways, so what in essence that you're doing there is you are changing the narrative to your story and you can, you, you have a choice to always do that in every situation in your life. So I can go back and I can tell you that, um, when I went to therapy, right, as my divorce my, was happening, my second divorce, <laughs> I don't know why I laugh every time I say that, but anyways, um, so when I was going through my second divorce, I, you know, was going through therapy because there was a lot of shit happening in my life at that moment. And not, it wasn't just the divorce, it was all kinds of stuff. And again, if you need to go back into past episodes to realize what that is, it was a lot of stuff to unpack. And that was just like the tip of the iceberg for me. And so, but that was the main focus because that was one of the, that was the, that was the, um, the link that I was holding onto to my past life. And without that, it felt like I, um, I wasn't there anymore. And so I hung on to it and, 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 you know, as, as much as I possibly could and not realizing that, you know, of course, here's the silver lining that it was that it needed to happen. Those, all of those things needed to happen. Even the bad stuff needed to happen. Um, actually, yeah, the bad stuff needed to happen because, it led me to the next part of my life, my next chapter, my reinvention, my new me kind of thing. So that was part of then, the, you know, the story I was telling myself, the narrative that I was, I was choosing at the time was, you know, how do I get through this? How do I get through my second, uh, second divorce? I was still in my thirties. Um, was I in my, th- yes, I was in my thirties. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, I was single mom. I didn't, there was prospect of a job at the point I placed the lit. I just, all these things. I was just like, that was my story. Like, that's what I was like kind of sticking to. And, um, and in that process, although I, I didn't, I ended up finding a coach, um, after therapy, uh, or whilst I was in therapy, I did actually find a coach. Um, but basically it was, I was able to reframe and change the narrative to, I was strong. I was resilient. I can bounce back. Hence the bounce back, uh, the title of this, of this podcast. Uh, and I didn't need somebody to, for lack of better words, complete me or to make me feel whole or to make me feel important or to make me feel valuable or to, um, to make me feel like I was something. And I'd always kind of relied on a partner to do that. And this situation forced me into standing up for myself, 
into believing in myself, into empowering myself. Therefore, which is basically what started um, my business. So, um, so that was the narrative. That's the changed narrative. And so, if I were to have stayed in that story, in that um, victim mode story, I wouldn't have been able to see these opportunities that started to come about or I would have looked at things um, that were happening in my life as just more lacking more lack than um, than abundance so and, and I would look at things differently so one example of this was um, when I was starting to get a good understanding about coaching I you know started to dabble in it on the side a little bit and I was really kind of, I, I, I wanted to see what it was like to, you know, want. I, so I, I was already being coached. And so I was thinking, okay, I've got to be able to coach somebody else to get a good feel, get a good understanding of this. So I started to do a little bit of coaching with the people that were around me at the time. And I will tell you that I loved every second of it. I loved the conversations that we were having. I was, I loved um, asking the questions. I loved um, helping them um, figure things out for themselves, helping them kind of have these little aha moments. It was exhilarating. And I knew then, as I, I think always known, that was, that was part of the, any previous jobs that I had. Um, and a lot of my jobs, even when I was in my early, early 20s, was in management. And I loved um, not so much the management of people, but just kind of encouraging them and helping them think outside the box. I, you know, be, became actually <laughs> kind of a therapist um, in my uh, in my previous uh, jobs because people would come in and they'd have problems and some of them would be work-related problems, some of them would be life-related problems, and I loved both of them. Um, I didn't mind sitting down with people. I, I did love, I love that side of my job. And so this became kind of a very natural transition for me into coaching because I very much felt comfortable in that position. Um, and so in those situations of being asked my opinion uh, of what to do next and giving advice. So I, I, I felt very natural. And so when I started to kind of figure out, okay, what, you know, how is this going to look? How do I even do this? I, you know, how long do I do this for? What do I do? And so obviously all those questions when you're first starting out in business, um, and I hadn't even yet started a business. So I was just kind of dabbling in it, trying to figure out my footing. And, um, but the more and more I started to do it and started to kind of help people and advise people more as a um, more than just as a uh, a confident or a friend, um, but more from a business standpoint, um, I really started to really fall in love with coaching and mentoring. And th the more I did that on the side, the less I loved what I was doing, um, which was back in event planning. And I was I was grateful for that job because it allowed me to stay in Los Angeles um, and provide for myself and provide for my daughter. So I was absolutely, absolutely grateful for that job. But I was also kind of on the fence as well because I, I knew um, once I had come back to Los Angeles, I really didn't want to be back doing what I was doing. I wanted to, um, I was in search of something else. I just didn't know what that something else was um, until I, I ended up meeting a, a, a career coach. Anyway, um, that is in a previous um uh, episode of how that all came about. But 
So in this situation, so had I not been, um, had I stayed in that mode of victim mode, have uh, kind of feeling sorry for myself, because believe me, guys, I felt sorry for myself a lot, a whole lot, all the time. I really, really did. And that's just the honest, I felt sorry for myself, the why me, how this and blah, blah, blah. And, um, but I, I, I always, I also feel though that um, you have to go through these. You have to go through these emotions. Um, and I, I never did for a very long time. I just, I hid them for so long. I compartmentalized because I, you know, in situations I had to, but I just felt like if I just never dealt with them, it would just, it, they would just go away and that's, they don't do that. And so I did have to go through the emotions. I did have to cry and feel sorry for myself. That being said, I also, it allowed me to just get all those feelings out and realize that I can't stay there if I wanted to change my life. Um, and that the coaching, the therapy, that all helped. That I'm telling you, if you haven't done either one, um, I would highly suggest that you do um, because it all helped put things in perspective. It helped me um, get on the right path. And so the right path for me, again, was kind of, you know, this... Uh, still having the day job, but still doing this on the side. So as I became more and more aware that this is exactly what I wanted to do and less and less of what the night, my nine to five, I, the door started to open for me. And if I, again, if I had stuck in that mode of why me, poor me, um, you know, what am I going to do now? Mindset and story and narrative. I wouldn't have, I, the next phase of this whole thing probably would have brought me to my knees because as it was, as I was dabbling in both areas, my job, my day job that was keeping a roof over my head, um, began, uh, I was eliminated. So I was let go. I was, um, laid off, um, from the company that I was working with. And I initially was like, Oh crap. What do I do now? <laughs> Um, and so I panicked, of course, and I started, you know, going out for jobs and doing interviews and all these things. Um, and then more and more, had I, again, got, had that had happened and I had not been in this path, I would have broken down and, and found something else and been like, oh my God, you know, whatever this side thing is, is always going to be a side thing because, you know, I've got all these, you know, other things and responsibilities that I need. But in a way I had to look at it and I did look at it as a way that the universe was speaking to me. And I was bringing in the things that I was trying to align myself with, but it was just showing me a, a, a quicker way because I would have probably never let go of that nine to five and this side hustle would just be, continue to be a side hustle um, because I, of course, want the security. And, of course, I needed the security because I needed to be res I was responsible for, you know, a, a two-year-old and myself. So had that not had happened, had my job not laid me off, I would probably, I would guess, I don't know how long I would have stayed in that job. I was super long time, honestly. And I would have gotten used to a paycheck, as most people do, um, as I, you know, I'm right there with you. I'm not, I'm not 
signal uh, uh, singling anyone out anyone out um, because we all need that we love the security of things and we love um, getting that paycheck of course knowing that it's coming and so um, had that not had happened why can't I speak for a moment here had that not had oh my gosh why can't I say that <laughs> if that hadn't happened there we go um, then I wouldn't be where I am today and I know that for a fact but it did happen and I did freak out and then I started to think okay maybe just maybe I need to trust in this I need to trust that what I am trying to align myself with is trying to align itself with me and that's the narrative and that's the story I need to stick to and the more I stuck to that story and the more I ended up telling myself that story that this was all how it's supposed to how it was supposed to happen I was supposed to be let go I was supposed to be laid off and it allowed me to collect unemployment actually so it gave me uh, the the chance to still have money coming in although not as much but still have money coming in and I could concentrate on the biz on my business and that's exactly what I did that's exactly what I did I used that as momentum to get me aligned. Now, mind you, I switched and pivoted many, many times in my business, and I'm still continuing to do that because things always change. We're always changing. We're always finding out things about ourselves and what we do and what we want to do and what we want to concentrate on. But the narrative that I told myself was, I've got this. Like I'm going to use all of these experiences, all of these past mistakes, all of these past failures, and I'm going to make something of myself and create this business out of nothing. And that is the narrative I kept telling myself over and over again, even when there was no money coming in, guys. Because <laughs> there was a lot of months where there was no money coming in. Okay, that's just the reality of this entrepreneurship. There are ups and there are downs and there are highs and there are lows. But if you get stuck in the old narrative of the old you and you keep, keep firing those same neurons and the same chemicals keep getting regenerated then you are going to get stuck in that same mode and you're going to then receive back and now we're talking about manifestation and law of attraction receive back what it is that you are sending out so the story that you tell yourself own it own your story I, I mean own whatever it is like be honest be open um, and be vulnerable be authentic own that story but also start telling yourself a different story so when we recollect a memory and this is again science scientifically proven we it's our memories are 
shady. <laughs> so I was actually telling a story this morning to somebody um, about a, an, a, a, an accident that I was part of, uh, so a vehicle accident. So he was explaining um, a situation, an unfortunate situation that his, his daughter was involved in a, a car accident. And, but she was okay, she survived and, and you know, and I, I don't know how the conversation turned out, you know, it was, was me telling him that, you know, maybe he asked me if I've been in a car accident and I said I have, I've been in a couple. And one that I recall was um, when I was in high school, it was um, high school senior skip day. And um, the car that I was in um, rolled over and into a ditch so which is unfortunate on senior you know uh on on the day that you actually get an excused absence in school um, we get in a car accident and i know that it flipped over a couple of times and i know that in front of i was in the passenger side in the front passenger side and i know that right in front of me was a, a rock a boulder and had it rolled over again or flipped over again, it probably would have, I'm not sure if it'll, it would have crushed me, um, but I, it would definitely have injured me. And we all, I think there was three or four of us in the, in the, in the car, um, and um, we all walked away from it. I mean, amazingly, we all walked away um, unhurt. But the situation is, so I was recalling this particular story and this is how I'm telling you that you can change the, your experiences and how, how, how um, our memories are not that great. So I don't know how many times I've told this story. I'm sure I've told it dozens of times since it actually happened. And what, we, what happens when we recall memory, again, this is done with scientific research, um, doing brain wave, uh, uh, examining um, brain waves and brain activity when we're talking about memory or recalling memory and things. And it, you know, it, these little neuropathways lights up in, in your brain. So they, they can actually see what's happening inside your brain as you're thinking about these things. So anyways, when you're talking about memory, you, so I'll pull up this memory bank and I will pull it up from the last time I spoke about it, from the last time. And I don't know when that last time is. So someone says, you know, oh, you know, have you ever been in an accident? Oh, actually I was in an accident. So I'll pull up this particular time and I will remember, so I will give the very best description of what this memory was like for me. And again, 50-50 on it. So in, and while I was talking, I said, you know, I'm not really sure how many times that, that it rolled. And I can probably tell you the day after this happened, a week after it happened, a month, maybe even a year after it happened, I knew precisely where we were, what I was wearing, how many times it rolled. But in time, I had forgotten those details. And so today I said, you know, I, I know it rolled. I just can't remember if it's twice or three times or once or I don't know. I do remember, I distinctly remember the rock being there and, and all of us going, oh my gosh, that would have crushed us all. At the very least me, because I was in the passenger side and that's exactly where it was at. Um, and so now I'm going to remember this, this 
this memory based on what I've said today. So today I was like, you know what? It could have been two or three times. And then I said, you know, it might have been twice. So that's the memory, most likely, that I will store about that accident as of today. And then maybe a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, something else is going to happen where I'm going to have to recall this memory again. And I'm going to, have to, I'm going to recall that memory based on how, what I remember from today, not from 25 years ago, which, wow, that's how long it's been, <laughs> but from today. And so in that memory, I'll say, you know what? I think it rolled twice. And I don't know. I honestly don't know how many times that truck rolled or that car rolled. I don't know. It was an SUV, actually. And, but I'm, but that is the way we can change our memory. Is we recall it based on the last time we recalled it. And whatever information we then added to that memory today is what we end up recalling. So we have the ability to change our past. Maybe not deliberately, but we can do it. So we can change terrible situations into good situations, just like a therapist does. Basically, that's what they, again, that's what they do. We have the ability to do that. So I can now look back at my divorce my second divorce. And at the time, it was doom and gloom. It was the most terrible thing. I didn't think I was going to survive that, honestly. There were times I didn't get out of bed. There were times I didn't eat. I was just like, ugh, it was terrible. And now I can look at it as one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And how is that? How, how, yes, time does that, but so does the narrative. So does the story we tell ourselves. If I'm stuck in that though, because it can go both ways, like I said. If I never was never able to find and look at it from a different perspective, if I always stuck in this, if I was always stuck in this, you know, that marriage or that relationship was the best relationship I've ever had and I, and I, um, it, it was, you know, that person was the, the person I was supposed to be with and there's nobody else out there that I can be with. There's nobody else that I want to be with. Now, grand, you know, mind you, we also have a daughter together. So I, you know, I could have totally gotten stuck in that hole. That was my family. That was the only family. That was the family. That's what I worked so hard for. That's what I had dreamt of all my life. If I stayed stuck in that story, I wouldn't have been able to find anyone like the, the the greatest person could have walked into my life and you know been the most perfect although there is no such thing as perfect but the most um the best partner I could have ever had and I wouldn't have seen it I wouldn't have even allowed it I wouldn't have even entertained it it would have just been like, no, you're not that person. I want that person because I'm stuck in that story. That's the narrative. That's the story I tell myself. And so I didn't. I had to get out of that story and I did get out of that story. And now I look at it as the best thing ever because that situation was the catapult to everything else in my life. And all the changes, all everything that was happening 
So I really want you guys to really understand that what you tell yourself and the narrative that you tell yourself is so important and I need you to start telling yourself a better story because you can change the story. You can look back in your life, at your life, and the, the traumatic things that have happened, the bad things that you think are holding you back, whatever that story is, and change the story. So maybe you weren't an A student. Maybe you weren't you know, a, a scholar. Maybe you um, didn't do well in your first five businesses. Doesn't mean that you're not gonna do well now. And the, if you keep telling yourself that different story, I could tell myself I'm terrible at relationships because that's kind of my track record. I could use that and think I'm never going to find the right person. I'm never going to be with the right person. I'm never, I never, the right person is never going to come in my life. Or this, these situations always continue to happen, but I have to change the narrative and say, yeah, I am going to find the right person. I am going to be with the right person. That right person is going to come into my life. And the right people are going to come into my life. And the right situations are going to come into my life. The right clients are going to come into my life. The right experiences are going to come into my life. And if that's the mentality and that's the mindset and that is the story and that's the narrative, then that is what I will attract. And that is quantum physics, actually. Um, and so if you want to start somewhere, start by owning your story, feeling through it, accepting what is, you cannot change it, the actual events of it, but you can change your feelings towards it. You can change those emotions and you have to change those emotions because your body cannot live through those emotions over and over again, because you will still, you, that's, that's how you feel stuck. That's how you cannot move past things. So if you retell the story from a different perspective and find a different perspective, a better outlook, a better understanding, the silver lining, the learning, whatever you learn, then that is how you are going to change your future. So, all right, guys, I... I'm going to cut it off here because I actually have other topics to talk. I want to talk about, and I'll probably jump on uh, for a short while later on this week, um, talking about the quantum manifestation. It's closing soon, so um, hopefully, if you're interested in that, you've gone on to uh, the website. And if you haven't, I would suggest that you do. I will link it in the um, in the show uh, uh, page and the show notes. And if again, guys, if you want to change your life. You have to start with that story. The story that you tell yourself is the loudest and the one that gets repeated over and over again in your head while you're mindlessly driving, while you're brushing your teeth, while you're taking a shower, while you're making dinner. You don't even realize it, but it's being repeated over and over again. And then the more it gets repeated, that's the more you get more of that back into your life. So change your story, change the narrative, change it. Like you can't, no one says you can't. No one says that you've got to stay stuck in that story. Nobody. 
and you don't you, it doesn't define you you don't you can own it you can stand in it you can tell it to yell it from the rooftops but it does not define you and it has nothing to do with your identity you can change your identity at any time all right guys Oh, I can go on and on, as you know, but I will cut it off here and I will chat with you guys again later on this week as I go through the end of the quantum manifestation um, open cart and hopefully you guys are signed on. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a fantastic week.